0: We're not here to hear a talk. We're here to meet with you. Uh, You give us teachers that we might hear from you, not from them. So I pray that my friends here today would hear from you, and not simply from me, that I would hear from you. We welcome your presence. As we come to Shavuot, this is the time of the sending forth of your spirit when everything changed forever. That your renewing spirit is in our midst, and we pray. We invite Your presence. We invite that spirit to influence us. Reserve for ourselves all power and glory, and may You come in and receive the glory and the power You deserve. Come into the inner sanctum of my heart and of our hearts, and change us forever. We ask, we ask in Yeshua's name. Well, Moadim, I call this the third foundation. I want to look today at how how should we respond to Shavuot and why. You'll remember a few weeks ago uh, we did a talk which mapped out seven characteristics of renewed work. We got this mostly from Ezra chapter three, which if any of you haven't read it lately, I strongly suggest you read. Ezra Chapter Three concerns events that happened. In 536 BCE, before the common era, when uh, King Cyrus, Koresh, gave permission to the Jews to go back to Jerusalem and reestablish the temple. And so it was just as many as we imagined, just under 5,000, who went back with Ezra to to do what they could. And as we read that chapter, we discovered certain characteristics uh, Of restored worship. And since we're interested in revivifying the worship here at our congregation, we thought that we would take a look at those characteristics. And then that was about five of them, two prophets that God had to send to them because they were dragging their feet, getting the job done. So he sent two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And Haggai and Zechariah were the ones who contributed number 6 and 7 up here uh, the mighty divine presence. Zechariah said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He said that what we need for real re- but real renewal comes from the presence of the spirit. And of course, Zechariah, uh, also in chapter 3 and chapter 6 and chapter 9 and chapter 12, that's easy to remember, 3, 6, 9, and 12, he talks about the Messiah over and over again. So that's the the capstone of our restored worship, that our worship must give Yeshua his rightful place. We're looking at the third of these uh, foundation stones, if you might call them that. uh, Let me back up a little bit, in case some of you were not here before. The first one is the Mizbeach, the building of the altar. When they came back to uh, Jerusalem, The first thing they did, even though they were threatened by their enemies, the first thing they did is they established an altar in order to praise and worship God. Because even though their enemies were going to attack them, they knew that they were toast if God did not protect them. So first agenda item was, let's get back to the worship of God. And I would hope that for all of us, for you, for me, for all of us, that increasingly when we come to synagogue on Shabbat, it's not to see our friends. Uh, it's not even for a good egg, although I appreciate a good egg as much as anybody. But we come to give to God the glory that is due His name. The altar is the first thing. That's the Mizbeach. Secondly, the Mechonah. Interestingly, they didn't just build that altar anywhere. They put it on precisely the foundation where the altar had been in the first temple. They built it on the base that previously existed, so similarly here, the worship of our people throughout the ages. That's why we do liturgy. We do it not because of nothing else to do, but because it's the right thing to do, that we find renewal in the present and in the future by reconnecting with the holy past. That's number two, the mechonah. Number three is, uh, well, you can't see it up there because of the contrast. Number three is, the Moadim, sacred times, we find that in chapter 3 of Ezra, that immediately the people not only built the altar, but they began it Shavuot, they celebrated Sukkot, and all the holy occasions. And that's what I'm going to look at with you today. So uh, these are called Moadim. A Moed is a, is, a, is a sacred time. Think of it as a sacred time. So uh, next slide, please. Yeshua and his family observed the Moadim. We read in the family went up to, to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover every year. That's a big deal. Uh, it was a tradition which Yeshua continued. I know when I first popped open the Brit Shah, I was 19 years old. Uh, Lincoln had just been shot. And, uh, 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 and, and when I first po- po- popped open the Brit Shah, We were studying the good news according to John, and I was astounded. Everywhere you turn in John, you bump into Passover. I figured, what's this with this Goyesh book? I'm I'm bumping into Passover everywhere. And you did. Yeshua celebrated the Moadim. His family did. In the uh, the New Testament, we find Yeshua and his disciples celebrating in the Gospels three different Passovers. He also kept the Feast of of Tabernacles, uh, Sukkot, We read that in John chapter 7. We don't have time to look at that today. But in John chapter 7, he's celebrating Sukkot. And in John chapter 10, we find him wandering in the temple. And this is the only place in the canonical Bible where you find this mentioned. He's in the temple, John chapter 10. And it's during the Feast of the Dedication. What is the more common name for the Feast of Dedication? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. So he's observing Hanukkah. So the Moedim, uh, 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 by proving it from the Brit Kaddishak, because it would be kosher just from the Old Testament too. But it's not just in the Old Testament; it's also in the Newer Testament. We read in Luke chapter four, verse sixteen: Yeshua went up to the uh, went, went, went to synagogue as was his custom on Saturday and Shabbat. So he went to synagogue every Shabbat. Shabbat, important of the Moadim. Okay, the apostles themselves observed these moadim, these holy occasions. The apostles did. Uh, The day of Pentecost, next slide, please. Oh, I left this one out. Even Herod observed the moadim. Oh, go ahead, back up. Back up, back up. It was around this time, this is in chapter 8 of, uh, of Acts. Around this time, King Herod began arresting and persecuting certain members of the Messianic community, and he had Yaakov, Yochanan's brother, put to death by the sword. James and John, these two brothers, they, he killed one of them. When, uh, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Judeans, he went to arrest Kepha, that is, Peter, as well. But it was during the days of Matzah, that is, Pesach, so Herod seized him, threw him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of, of four soldiers each with the intention of bring him out to the public after Pesach because he realized during Passover the people were not going to be in favor of doing something like this, even though they wanted to see this guy gotten rid of. Let's wait until after Passover. So even Herod honors the Moadim. The apostles uh, observed the Moadim. The next one, please. We read here, Paul uh, in the book of Acts, he passed on to Greece where he spent three months. And as he was preparing to set sail for Syria, he discovered a plot against him. So he changed his mind and decided to return by way of Macedonia. We sailed from Philippi after the days of Matzah. Why? After the days of Matzah. How many days are there in Passover? There's eight, really. And they they went after the days of matzah because they didn't want to interrupt Pesach by traveling during that time. They honored Passover by waiting until after Pesach was done. So here we have... Now, it's so frequent in the Book of Acts, but we miss it because we just take it for granted. But it's very significant. Let's go to the next one. Chapter 20. For Shaul decided to bypass Ephesus on his voyage in order to avoid losing time in the province of Asia, going to celebrate Shavuot. Now, this is the apostle to the Gentiles. If anybody tells you, you know, it's nice you're a Jew and you believe in Yeshua, but, you know, let's get rid of all that holiday stuff. We don't need that anymore. Hallelujah, we don't have to do any of that stuff. Tell them, they, tell them for me, you don't know what you're talking about. Father, forgive them. He knows not what he says. Here we find, Rav Shaul, the Apostle to the Gentiles, who's hurrying to get to Jerusalem so he doesn't miss Shavuot. What are the three holidays that you had to be sure you got to Jerusalem for? Mecha, give me one of them. Shavuot? Shavuot? That's not bad. <laughs> give me another, anybody? <laughs> Passover is number two. What's the third one? <laughs> That's right, Sukkot. Those three, the Shalos Regalim, I said this last week, the three pilgrimage festivals. Let's go on. There, Luke, in the book of Acts, next one. They were used to thinking in terms of the Jewish calendar, these guys. that Like us, they function in two calendars. You'll read in the book of Luke and the book of Acts, they'll say after Corinius was governor of Syria in the days of Caesar Augustus. So they're using a Gentile calendar. But they also revert to a Jewish calendar. It's just the way they think. So we read here, hold on a second, come on baby, just a second, that's better. Uh, We read, since much time had been lost, continuing on the the voyage was risky because it was already past Yom Kippur. They're thinking, what time of year is it? Oh my, it's past Yom Sea, and they knew that the sea gets very choppy, but they didn't say it was already autumn, you know, they didn't say it's already September. They didn't say, it's already October. Reflexively, they said, it's already past Yom Kippur. I knew a man named Rachel Friedland. May he rest in peace. And he will. He was a great servant of God. And he was a European Jew. He served God marvelously. He was a, a great, great scholar and a great, humble servant of God who managed to escape from Hitler. Uh, stayed in the land, but he was a fugitive from the Nazis. And you ask him when he was born. He said, I was born sometime after Passover in 1909. Because that, in his family, that's the way you measured. You don't have dates. You have Jewish holidays. What time is it? What, when was it? It was right after Passover. Now we get to the next one, please. Thank you. Why should the Moadim be important to us? This is a serious question. Let me ask you a different way to get to this question. How many of you watched something on YouTube or on television this week about Normandy? Anybody? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I did. Why was it important that we mark uh, June 6th and the and Normandy invasion, and have this big, big uh, event? at Normandy. Why bother? The answer is that we, we should remember, we should not forget. We should not forget that teenagers, teenagers, jumped out of those planes and came out of those landing crafts and walked right into a hail of bullets and were killed, killed before, before they had a time to even to pray. Uh, there were thousands of them who who gave their lives in order to put a stop to Hitler, if they had not done what they did, we cannot imagine what the world would be like now. We cannot, and we'd rather not. To remember and not forget what God has done for us. We should never say, oh, do I have to keep Chakot? Oh, do I have to keep Passover? Oh, do I have to keep this? God bless us. But that's really a very immature attitude. It's like saying, oh, do we have to honor honor um, uh, Norman? One guy who has a huge swastika in his backyard, a big concrete swastika. And the people in his neighborhood are very upset. He says, I like swastikas. He says, as far as the Nazi thing, he says, that was 80 years ago. though so it doesn't matter anymore. You know? Does the fact that people gave their blood at Normandy still matter? It still matters. Does the fact that God delivered us from Egypt, where we were slaves, does it still matter? It still matters. It's not just about uh, uh, antiquarian interest, because if God had not done that, I would not be standing here. None of the Jews in this room would be here. we probably would have been rubbed out through slavery in Egypt. We would, just would have, would have been pummeled into the sand as a people, and that would have been the end of that. So the first reason that we keep Moadim is to remember and not forget what God has done for us. Let's go to number two. To remember to honor God for what he's done for us. We ought to not just remember the date, but to remember to say thank you and to really honor God. You know... To see these, these men in their 90s, they're very, there are so few of them left. By the way, I bumped into a man wearing a hat. Uh, I was going into a doctor's appointment yesterday. And a man was coming through the door, going through the door at the same time as me. And he was wearing a hat, said, World War II veteran. And I shook his hand, and I thanked him. I said, thank you for your service. Uh, we should remember to say thank you to God at these holy occasions. I know that I'm preaching to the choir, but it's still good for us to be reminded. We should not just remember the occasion and what it means, but we should remember to say thank you. Number three, because we remember, we should also, the mourning should matter to us because we remember that how we respond to these occasions measures our gratitude for what God has done. This is an interesting thought. Let me just read you something. Uh, This is something that will be familiar to you from Passover. Reminds us that in every generation, a person is bound to regard himself or herself as if he or she personally had gone forth from Egypt. And also we read about the wicked son. You remember? There's four sons who hear the Passover story. The wicked son says, you know, what does this mean to you? He divorces himself from it. He says, this doesn't matter to me. Why do you bother doing it? And the text says that if he had been alive during the Exodus, he would not have been redeemed. Why? Because his attitude towards the memorial is a sign of what his attitude towards the reality is. You see that. His attitude towards the memorial shows what his attitude would have been to the reality. Paul the Apostle speaks about the same thing. He says, if, if they're being careless and cavalier and very sloppy in how they deal with the Lord's table, they're showing contempt for the body and blood of the Messiah. Their contempt for the ritual, for the... For the the reminder, the memorial, their carelessness about the memorial is the equivalent to the thing it stands for. So this is another reason why the Moedim should be important to us. Paul says it this way, how we treat the memorial is, is how we treat what it signifies. Therefore, whoever drinks, eats the Lord's bread or drinks the Lord's cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of desecrating the body and blood of the Lord. He's not so much arguing, I don't think, for a Roman Catholic uh, concept of the bread and wine. He's arguing that if you show contempt for the signal, the symbol, that contempt indicates a disregard for the reality. Similarly, if, if we treat Shavuot like it's a nuisance, and we don't want to bother with that, it shows that we don't have much appreciation for the gift of Torah and the gift of the Spirit. That's the way God reads it. If you, now, aside from those of you here who may be from Jehovah's Witness families where they don't celebrate birthdays, if you don't birthday or your father's birthday or your children's birthdays, is that a big deal? Yes. Yeah. Why is it a big deal? Because the person is important. Pardon me. The person is important. The per- because. It shows a certain disrespect for the person connected to the memorial. You have the memorial, and how you treat the memorial is a sign of how you regard the reality that memorializes. Finally, three points. What does this mean for us in our response to Shavuot, which is coming to us tonight? Remember what the day signifies, chiefly the gift of Torah and the gift of the Spirit. it would have been impossible for me today to give a message that helps you to adequately appreciate the gift of Torah or adequately adequately appreciate the gift of the Spirit. These, are, these two gifts are so huge that my poor lips in 25 minutes could not make the point well. But you'll hear this point made frequently. And uh, later today... Uh, Joshua Rood is going to be teaching a lesson which will help us get connected with this. Remember what the day signifies, chiefly the gift of Torah. Secondly, remember to honor God by honoring the occasion. Don't let Shavuot come and go as it's just any other day. Do something tomorrow. Do something tonight that shows that you're treating the day as special. Number three, remember that how we respond to the day Reveals how we' responding to God and to his gifts. I was a little reluctant to do a sermon like this today because it's uh, uh I like to do um, sermons that are more that are are very relational and exhortational, and this one is really. A teaching—it's a basic teaching about a, about a spiritual reality—that you're mature enough to appreciate. Getting some of the girders, which establish the shape of our faith life, this is one of those girders. Mo'im, holy occasions—it's something that binds us as a family together with one another, with our people and with our God. Season be a time of great joy and great thankfulness for all of us. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you very much.